The Miami Dolphins have done it, exercising fifth-year option for defensive lineman Christian Wilkins, the long wait and anticipation on if that decision would come is over. Plus a final Miami Dolphins seven-round mock draft here on draft day 2022. Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Let's get after it. Let's go. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Dolphins fans? Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com in Las Vegas for the 2022 NFL Draft for those responsibilities with thedraftnetwork.com. And uh, yeah, we got some news that came through this morning that I'm pretty excited about. I'm sure you're pretty excited about. We're going to talk about it here on the show. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Now, the news that has come out is that the Dolphins are exercising the fifth-year option for 2019 first-round draft selection Christian Wilkins. Now, this team, the, the team is still on the clock, right? And this was a no-brainer decision, but we wanted to wait for the formality of it happening or alternatively see if the team was going to strike a more long-term contract extension with Wilkins before even bothering to get into the weeds on that fifth-year option. So if you're unfamiliar with the way that the rookie contracts work now in the uh, recent, most recent edition of the NFL's collective bargaining agreement, just know you get drafted in the first round and you play your first three years. And then teams have the option to pick up your fifth-year option before you play the fourth year of your contract. Because if they decline it, okay, then you know, the player knows going into that fourth year, I'm in a contract year. There are scaled and tiered levels of pay for those fifth-year options relative to your performance on the field at your position. So you have a baseline level, which is regardless of how many snaps you play, how productive you are, it's just your bottom level tier. Your level two is based on consistent amounts of playing time and making sure that you are um, on the field for X number across three seasons or Y number across two seasons to be deemed as you have given the team more value based on your availability. The third one is meeting those thresholds and making a Pro Bowl. The fourth tier, the fourth and final tier, is when you provide all of that, but you make multiple Pro Bowls for your team. So I say that to kind of set the table for, okay, here's what the fifth-year option financially means for Christian Wilkins now versus what it might mean down the line. Christian Wilkins is currently a Tier 2 fifth-year option, which means he's qualifying for the playtime requirements. Uh, Playtime requirements as as, as quoted by over the cap. 
Players are eligible for a fifth-year option base salary calculated from the average of the third to 20th highest salaries over their, at their position over the last five seasons, provided their snap counts for their first three seasons meet one of following three criteria. 75% or greater in two, of their first, uh, in two of their first three seasons, an average of 75% or greater across all three seasons, or 50% or greater across all three seasons. So for a player like Christian Wilkins, who is not a guaranteed 100% snap guy, he's getting the advantage of being consistent across three years. If Christian Wilkins had dealt with a season-ending injury early in his second season and didn't play 50% of the snaps that year, then he would be in that basic tier, that, that first-level tier. Uh, but, of course, there, there's still upward mobility for Christian, right? He's, he's got two more years to play on his rookie deal before the fifth-year option that has now been exercised by the team activates. So what does that mean? Uh, he is a Tier 2 player. That means he is not getting the bottom-level interior defensive line value of $6.5 million. He is getting $10.7 million in 2020. Uh, not a math guy, 2023. But there's still upward mobility for Christian Wilkins as well. As he goes out this year in his fourth year, and he makes a Pro Bowl. Christian Wilkins can earn himself an additional $4 million in pay for next year in 2023 because it would put him into the Tier 3. Now, the good news is for the Dolphins and from a financial range and expectations here, he will not be challenging for the $17.4 million fourth and highest tier. As a matter of fact, there's, there's only two players who are currently in, locked in, and they were the first two picks from the 2019 NFL Draft, Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa. Multiple Pro Bowls, they are already guaranteed their respective positions highest relative pay as a tier four player. There are only three additional players who have made one Pro Bowl, who could even challenge to get into the fourth and final tier, and they are TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Detroit, Brian Burns, the pass rusher from Carolina, and Josh Jacobs, the running back from the Las Vegas Raiders. So Christian Wilkins, um, from a hit rate perspective, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 players who are basic tier, who do not qualify for any of the elevations. So 12 plus, we've already mentioned five names, is 17. So the other a little, one less than half of the first round is in the same relative bucket. But we've talked a little bit about how the Dolphins and, and this contract extension, if they, they choose to pursue it, would be one that they benefit from doing sooner rather than later. Why is that? Well, you can look at Quinn and Williams. You can look at Dexter Lawrence. You can look at Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons and Dexter Lawrence are both set to get the same exact compensation that Christian Wilkins is on that individual fifth-year tag. Quinn and Williams, because he was a top-five pick, is getting $11.5 million. There's a higher elevation there for that draft selection. So... Or I guess technically he is being classified as a defensive end. Right. So he's, I mean, he's 
he's getting the benefit of the doubt according to the projections. So that's that's not draft pick related. Um, but these names are lingering, and you know they're going to get paid, especially Jeffrey Simmons, because Jeffrey Simmons, I'd be pushing my foot down on the gas with how good he's been. Say, so you're going to tell me I'm going to play this year on my rookie deal and then play for 10.7? No way. Not with the way the cap is growing, not with the way that t- players are, are taking and exercising a little bit of control here. So while you might feel good about getting a year of pay on equal level with a Jeffrey Simmons from a value perspective, if you're the Titans, Jeffrey Simmons isn't going to want to live with that. And that's no disrespect to Christian Wilkins. Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game. Christian Wilkins is an absolute monster and a stud but he doesn't have the disruptive play resume that Jeffrey Simmons does that would warrant more high money, right? But any evidence that any representation team is going to be able to get their hands on to point to and say, you guys, this player is relatively similar in X, Y, and Z ways and got paid this much, we want to get paid this much. That race is still on for the Dolphins. This Mother's Day, Give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get 50% off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use code Locked On. that's code Locked On. plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. We did also hear, and I do think it's worth at least acknowledging, we did hear from one of my favorite members of the Miami Dolphins yesterday with some press availability. Talking, of course, about Robert Hunt. We also heard from Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle. Man, what a day, huh? I just had to guess my guy off Robert first. Um, what was fun about about Robert getting a chance to talk is he was asked, we know from your first two years you can be a good NFL tackle. You're also a good NFL guard. Has head coach Mike McDaniel and Matt Applebaum, the offensive line coach, told you their vision for you? Do, you see you, do they see you continue to play guard and believe that's what's best for you? He gave us a little something. He gave us a little something. He left the door open. No, not exactly. Right now, we are just talking about the concepts and everything. We're just in working wherever they need me. That's where I'm playing. If it's at guard, tackle, wherever they put me, wherever they best see me, wherever I can help the team out. I'm excited about the scheme and everything we're going to do. I'm excited about that. Okay, so, you know, we we gassed it up a little bit. Uh, I don't expect a position change. Um, but the fact that they, they haven't communicated anything to anybody is, okay, or, um, I'm curious. Are you making the main thing the main thing, or is there a reason why that's been open-ended? Um, he was also asked about Teron Armstead and Connor Williams and what their additions mean to the group. Uh, Robert, I appreciated his insight here. He said, good things. You could tell both guys are leaders. Both guys have been winners, and that's good. They're older guys. Not older guys, but they've been in the league. Mostly talking about Teron. He's been in the league. He knows what's happening, and he's seen a lot of things and can help us out just by being the vet in the room for the young room. Thank you, football gods. That is music to my ears. 
because that is part of the appeal of what you're paying to Ron Armstead for and to be. Look at the rest of the offensive line group, not including Connor Williams, who was brought in this year. Look at last year's offensive line group. Rookie starter at offensive tackle. Third-year player at guard. Third-year player, second-year player at 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 guard. Excuse me. Then you had a third-year player at center. Then you had a second-year player at guard. And then you either had your quote-unquote vet in the room, but when your vet in the room is Jesse Davis, like, it doesn't count. I'm sorry, it doesn't. It does not count. Or potentially you had another rookie playing on the line. Or another second-year player playing on the line. And your backups, most of which were either unaccomplished, unsuccessful, or inexperienced. Toronto Armstead being the staple and the glue, and I talked about that when he signed, right, is it's like his experience with O-line masterminds is, which is the offensive line summit group where all the offensive linemen get together, they teach each other techniques, fundamentals, and get better. His experience with that and actually teaching in that environment now expand and extrapolate that and put that into him in a locker room with a bunch of guys who need it. That's, that's for me, very exciting and promising for what he brings to the table. The last thing that I wanted to touch on is he was asked about what advantage for the offensive line is created with a zone rushing attack, um, what it creates for the offensive line. And then he was asked to follow up. Robert said snap count. Snap count take, makes a huge advantage. That's what I'm thinking right now in my head just from doing a couple days. I think the snap count is a big factor, and he was asked to expand on it. He said, jump the snap count. You know we've got a snap count, and you've got to time it. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm speaking for myself, but it's time the snap count. we kind of been preaching that right now. The snap count is an advantage that we have. That's last year, the year before. That's just football. You've got to use it. I've never thought about that until this year, though. You've got to use that snap count, and it definitely helps. Okay, so he's talking about getting out the blocks. And when you think about the zone rushing implementation, Yes, you know, you being able to, especially in a wide zone system, when you got to reach block and you got to defeat angles and you got to get over top of guys and set the hook, that ability to get out of the blocks is essential. It is absolutely essential. So, uh, some good stuff from Robert Hunt that I really enjoyed. Um, we also heard from Jalen Wano. He was asked if he raced Tyreek Hill yet, and uh, he laughed it off. He said, We'll race when. Uh, all of y'all get out there and race. We'll see who's the fastest on the team. Um, I am hoping that they, they do do it at some point. But the, the one thing that I appreciated hearing from Jalen was when he was talking about Wes Welker and his first impression of Wes Welker. He said, I think his approach is different. Him being a receiver, he really set the standard of being a modern slot receiver. He really gives insight, and he can really go into detail and really get into your head and know what it's like to be out there. Wes has been great working not just with me, but how he coaches up the whole wide receiver room. As far as Jalen Phillips, Jalen spoke. Jalen Waddle, it was pretty, some pretty quick hits, pretty, pretty quick bites. Uh, Jalen Phillips spent a lot of time at the podium, a lot of time talking. 
One of the questions that he was asked that I enjoyed hearing him discuss, and in, in the spirit of today, was when you look back a year ago, the whole process leading up to the draft, the question, what were the teams questioning you? Because the thought was you were really going to go high if it wasn't for A, health, or B, music and outside interests. What were teams asking you about and your thoughts on everything and how it played out? Jalen said, I just think teams were doing their due diligence. It's a big investment to draft somebody in the first round, draft somebody at all, but especially in the first round. And so for me, with the story that I had and having left the game and then retired and then come back, I just think they wanted to hear more from the horse's mouth about what went down and just make sure that my passion was still there and everything. And I think I proved that to every single team and especially the Dolphins. Obviously, they took a chance on me. And then he was asked this, asked, what were some of the questions you got? Did anything stand out? Uh, and Jalen said they asked, obviously asked a lot about football knowledge and everything like that, but just who I was from a character standpoint and my upbringing and my mindset and all of the things like that. So, I mean, I probably did 60 Zoom interviews, so I couldn't tell you specific questions. It's all a whirlwind. But that was kind of the main theme, the main idea, just trying to get a picture of who I was as a person. And I could tell you this. We had a chance to interview Ike Mikwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State, yesterday at TDN's Draft House out here. And he stopped by the house, and we talked to him for about 30 minutes. And he talked about the draft process in general, too. And when they say it's a whirlwind, they are not kidding. It is incredible the amount of travel and meetings and training and preparation and media training and NFLPA stuff and then Zoom interviews and then in-person interviews and then you pro It's It is absolutely insane the amount of hurdles they have to clear. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Which brings us to... Our final hurdle of the day. A seven-round mock draft pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I will tell you my final predictive mock for the NFL draft this year has the New York Jets drafting Ikem Ikwanu and Jamison Williams, tackle from NC State, wide receiver from Alabama, uh, which I would not be thrilled with as a Dolphins fan, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, the New England Patriots drafting linebacker Quay Walker from Georgia and the Buffalo Bills drafting Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State. But we are not here to talk about everybody else. We're here to talk about the Dolphins. So one last time through the simulator we go. And the good news is I am looking at a simulation that matches a lot of what my first round predicted. So hopefully that's going to give us an accurate snapshot of what day two provides the Miami Dolphins and day three provides the Dolphins. So we are about at pick 50 right now at the DraftNetwork.com's mock draft simulator and hoping to find a winning seven-round mock draft if the football gods will it. So kind of... Still anticipating linebacker into your offensive lineman, maybe a linebacker and maybe a defensive back being what I use these four draft selections on when it's all said and done. Uh, but we're going to try to let value 
dictate that as best as we possibly can. And if there's somebody clear and obvious who we can't pass up, then we will just go ahead and do the smart thing and draft the best player available. So the Dolphins now on the clock at 102 in this simulator. And some of the best players include linebacker Troy Anderson from Montana State, running back James Cook from Georgia, wide receiver Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver South Alabama, Jelani Woods, tight end Virginia, Zach Tom, interior offensive lineman from Wake Forest. And that's... That's a hard pill to swallow because I was not expecting to see both Troy Anderson and Zach Tom on the field. If I look behind each of these spots, I see some options. I don't love the options, but I see some options that I could take later in the draft at inside linebacker. But if I'm looking for centers, I'm really playing a risky game. Lord have mercy. Okay. I've been gassing up Troy Anderson too much to not take him here. I'm going to take him at 102. And we will see predictively where he ends up getting drafted. I would not be surprised if he's not on the board for the Dolphins at 102. But we're looking for a winning mock. So I'm going to go ahead and make this selection with the idea that he is there. Dolphins back on the clock at 125. And as I overview best available at certain spots. Dominique Robinson, pass rusher from Miami of Ohio, jumps out to me. Uh, JoJo Doman, linebacker from Nebraska, coverage linebacker, Jack Sanborn, linebacker from Wisconsin. Thomas Booker, a defensive lineman from Stanford, would be a very good fit for the Dolphins in their multiple front defense. Damian Pierce, running back Florida, would give you a physical component that you don't necessarily have right now. Uh, Let's go Pierce. I'm going to draft Damian Pierce here, and I want to make sure the Dolphins have that punch-you-in-the-mouth runner that's going to help allow you to run the ball physically. So that will get us through the first half of Miami's picks with a linebacker and a running back, which are two arguably low, quote-unquote, low-value positions. But let's be honest. As it was pointed out by Warren Sharp, the Dolphins are in a low-value situation in this year's class. Since 1999, no team has entered the NFL draft with less NFL draft capital at their disposal as this year's Miami Dolphins. So you've kind of made your bed. You've kind of made peace with that already with how you've handled the rest of your transactions. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But that gives me the mental freedom to say, wow, man, we, we've really got to get this right at this position and get this player. No, I'm going to get good players even if they're low-value positions because this year's draft class in general is a low-value proposition. Back on the clock at 224. And there's a couple options that I think do have some interest to me. Uh, especially Wanya Thomas, safety from Georgia Tech. He's six foot one, two twelve. A little bit of a, an in-between guy. You know, can very much be a, a hybrid sub-package linebacker, traditional strong safety, play the run, uh, but a lot of length. I like that. I like that from a special teams perspective for the Dolphins at well. So I'm going to draft Wanya Thomas at two twenty-four, which gives us Troy Anderson, linebacker, Montana State. Running back Damian Pierce, University of Florida. 
Wanya Thomas, DB, safety type, special teams guy, Georgia Tech. And then the last selection. Man, I do not like the offense, how the offensive line fell here. Not, not in favor of this in general. I do see Luke Wattenberg uh, from Washington. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with a different direction as far as a, a developmental guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Dawson Deaton, interior offensive lineman, Texas Tech, 6'6", 305. Uh, he's played tackle, guard, and center throughout the course of his career. And I think that positional flexibility, his mobility is one of his better traits, I think gives us a nice, uh, nice finishing touch to this seven-round mock draft. So there you have it, Dolphins' final seven-round mock draft of the season. You non-draft Knicks can collectively exhale and relax. We're not going to be talking about projecting the draft anymore. It's all done, at least for this year. Troy Anderson, Damian Pierce, Wanya Thomas, Dawson Deaton, final results courtesy of thedraftnetwork.com. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy draft day. Make it a good one. Fins up. We'll talk with you guys tomorrow as we get ready for the Dolphins' next NFL draft selections and additions to their offseason roster.